In the summer of 1864, the, the pillow began uh, just like as usual, the usual travels <coughs> to go to different towns and villages. By the middle of Tammuz, he found himself in the town of Karup. And he sent a message to his student, Reb Mordechai Yoel, to bring wine for Shabbos. And Reb Mordechai Yoel explained to his fellow Hasidim and students of Reb Hillel that the Rebbe, Reb Hillel, is, is asking them to come for Shabbos. He said we should bring wine. He didn't say we should send wine. Right? Obviously, he wants us all to come to him for Shabbos. And the rest of the story is going to be told by the Mordechai. And he said like this. <coughs> On Moitzah Shabbos, the pillow informed us that he wished to continue his journey as soon as possible. And this was completely out of the ordinary. And only later did I come to the conclusion that since it was in the midst of the 30 days before his Nistalkus, he realized he was going to be Nistalik. And he wanted to arrive at a destination that he chose and we were trying to pack up everything needed for this trip as quickly as possible. And we made a little bit of noise. And the pillow saw that the packing would uh, require more time. So he announced that he's going to be taking a nap. And concerned that our noise would disturb his rest, I told everyone to do their job as quietly as possible. And the pillow overheard me say this. And he said, no, the Hasidim should act the way they, normal, they normally would act. He says, on my body, I'm the Balabayas, I'm in charge. And when I command my body to sleep, it goes to sleep. Nothing could wake me up. It was on Tishabov. He was visiting the city of Nikolaev. Right, later became famous as. Right. Um... And after breaking his fast on Thursday night, he felt that his days were now numbered, coming to the end. And he mentioned to his uh, Shamish, where are the Rabbanim? Meaning he was trying to say like, why didn't the Rabbanim, the Rabbanim see that I was sick and they would tell me not to fast on Tisha B'av? Now let's be honest. <laughs> would, would he have uh, <laughs> listened to the Rabbanim if they told him not to fast? I don't, I don't think so. I'm not sure. And he then requested that they hire a wagon and go immediately to Kherson, right, which was his job for decades already, traveling to Kherson every year. Well, we'll see. We'll see how fast it takes. Now, knowing that Abhilo would not travel Friday afternoon, they told the wagon driver that they would pay him to travel throughout the whole night of Thursday. Instead of like stopping uh, for the night, just, just keep going, a whole Thursday night. They arrived at Kherson in the middle of the morning on Friday, and their pillow passed away the following day on Shabbos, Pashas Vashanon, Shabbos Nachamu, on Yud Aleph of. And the Eden over there built an oil around his gravesite. And for many years, thousands of Eden would come there to Davin. And Chassidim relate that Abhilo's desire was to be buried in Kherson because Kherson at that time was ruled by the Turkish Empire. And 
the Turkish Empire also controlled Eretz Yisrael. So he wanted to be under the same empire that controlled Eretz Yisrael, for whatever reason. I don't think it was for that long of a time that they controlled Kherson because usually it was, it was run by Russia. Anyway, since the Rebbe, the Tzemach Sadek himself, wasn't feeling very well, the Hasidim were worried about telling him that Abhilo passed away. However, on Rosh Hashanah, he, the Rebbe asked uh, in, in a way that it, everyone could tell that he knew. He said, no, wh- where's Reb Hillel? Right, why isn't he here for Rosh Hashanah? <clears throat> when uh, finally he did uh, tell the Rebbe very clearly that Reb Hillel's, about Reb Hillel's he was extremely saddened. And he then wrote a letter asking Hasidim to take care of the debts of Reb Hillel he, had, uh, he borrowed a lot of money over the years and he owed people money. So he told Hasid to make sure all these debts are paid off. And Abhilas Minog, basically what he would do is he, he would borrow money at the beginning of his trip to pay for Malamdim and other expenses that... that uh, and he said, I, when I come back, by the time I come back, I'll, I'll give all the money back. And so during the year he would collect the money and uh, you know, he would give it back. And when the Yidden heard that Abhilo owed money, they immediately answered the call and they paid off all his debts. <clears throat> Moving on to say a story connected to this. One of the gazetas the government made against Yidden was to forbid having long payas. So, so you could see a picture of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe had big payas over here. Not, not long payas, right? Like, like, like the way other Hasidim have. Like puffy payas, like brisker payas. So every Lubavitch used to have that. No, no, I'm talking about like big. Like, like basically you wouldn't cut this whole area. You would leave this whole area very thick and long, right? And they would like put it on the side or whatever. And they would just cut it short, but it wouldn't be right like that. Anyway, so each town's officers, they would go around and enforce the rule. And either you cut the payas on your own or they would do it for him against his will. And as much as you struggle against these soldiers, you're not, you're not fighting against them. Sure enough, one day, the highest officer in the city of Babraisk <coughs> entered the Rapillo's home with his two assistants, and they told the Rapillo, okay, time to cut off your payas. And he said, no way. And they tried to do it themselves. And the Rapillo put his hands over his payas, like this, and the two assistants began hitting him. They started hitting his hands and his body with their swords. Not, not to stab him, meaning with the flat side of the sword. Ouch! That's very painful. And as painful as it was, the pillow would not give in. They would hit, like... With the, not the, not the one piece, but they were instead of... Yes. So he... He... he, he uh, he was crying out in pain. It was very painful, but he kept his hands there. He didn't want his face to get cut off. So one of the neighbors was a simple tailor, and he hears that a pillow pirate crying, and he runs over to help. He sees the officers. He realizes what's happening. And he said, listen, everyone knows me. I'm one of the best tailors in the whole city. I'll make you a deal. You leave this man alone and I'll give you each a suit. I'll make a suit for each of you. And because they knew that Taka, this tailor, was very famous, they agreed. 
And in gratitude, Rebhilo promised the tailor that uh, after 120 years, meaning after he passed away, he's going to be buried next to him. Now, as mentioned, Rebhilo passed away in Kherson. That is nowhere near Babroisk. Some years later, after the pillow Sistalkos, this tailor decided to move and settle next to his children. And on the way to relocate, traveling towards his children, he passed away in Kherson. Sorry, he before he passed away. So he, he arrives in Kherson, he's very tired. And he stops at a local Hachnasasarchim house to rest over there. But he never regained his strength and he passed away a short while later. And the Hebra Kaddisha decided they don't know who this guy is. Right? So they're going to bury him. But together they have a place in the cemetery for Yidin that they know they're Yidin, but they don't know anything about them. They don't know who they are. So they have a special section for them. However, it was in the middle of the winter and the entire cemetery was covered with snow. You couldn't see for certain where they were burying him. And they found the spot that was an open grave and they just buried him there. After the snow melted, they realized that they had mistakenly buried him right next to the Tzadik Rebbeu Parcher. And they were terrified. Oh, what kind of person to be buried next to the Rebbeu Parcher? I mean, like, like that, that grave was reserved for someone special. Like, who is this guy that he should be buried next to him? And they knew this man's name and that he's originally from Babrois, but that's it. So they right away, the Hebra Kadisha wrote a letter to the Rav in Babrois. <clears throat> to ask, who is this guy? Just want to know why he merited to be, because you're not allowed to dig up a grave. Let me tell you something, is a very serious thing. So you can't just, because it's uh, according to you know, many reasons, whatever behind it, but once a person's buried, they're never supposed to be unburied unless you have a very good reason. And just because you buried someone in the wrong place, that doesn't mean a, that's that, that, that not necessarily a good reason. Anyways, so they asked, what, what did this guy do to merit this? And the Rav said, oh, do I have a story to tell you? <laughs> it's like one of those things. Rav arranged it somehow that the guy would pass away in this place and he would be buried next to him. One last story about the Stalkos. <clears throat> During his last travels, a lady requested a bracha for a child from him. And Rav gave her a bracha for a baby boy. And she asked him, what should I name him? And he says, Hillel. And the lady was like, okay, usually Ashkenazim, we don't name after someone who's alive. Um, a few months later, in the middle of her pregnancy, she gets the news, Rapillo Parcher was nostalgic. And, <clears throat> and uh, it became clear that he knew he's not going to be alive by the time this baby's born. On Rapillo's last Shabbos Nachamu, so he was unable to go to shul. And he requested that a minion should daven shachris in his house. And usually, as we, we know from many stories, the pillow's davening would take hours and hours. But over here, um, he told the chazan to daven as quickly as possible. It's not known why, but Kenzain, because... He knew he was going to pass away and he wanted to do as many mitzvahs as possible in the last bit of time. And when the minion was saying the words, 
that he created servants and his servants all stand and say, right, with, with fear and, and shaking. As he said those words, his neshama left his body and he was nostalgic. So starting tomorrow, we're going to go through the svarim, his sayings, his nagunim, his family. But uh, this is it's towards the end of uh, this. We're getting towards the end of the story.